live. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's up? I am... Uh, my fiance is on vacation, so I am alone with the dog. And uh, anytime I hit record, he decides now is the perfect time to make as much. He's scratching up carpet right now. He he loves this is the mm-hmm. only carpeted area of the house, so he loves coming in here and running around scratching carpet. It's great, <laughs> but um, I mean he's been good, so I can't complain too much. I just I wish this would be nap time for him. You know, just a quick yeah. forty-five minute nap. But, Your dog, friend of the show. Yeah, Wally. Um, <laughs> Wally, Wally, friend of the show. One thing that um, I did hear from a few people, I know you saw it on social media too. And look, we get it. Mike tries his hardest. Everybody needs to know a little behind the scenes. His fiance is a Steelers fan. So yes, sometimes you will see things on the wall. He tries to get that off the wall before he starts the podcast. But you know, sometimes you just, you forget. So that's what happens. That's why it's up there. Yeah, I mean nothing up there right now. It's Not all bangle, all bangle stuff. Today. It's it's been snuck in before though, because she works from home, so this yep. is basically our office. So she just does whatever, and I just come up here for an hour twice a week right now. So <laughs> do do this podcast, and uh, I sit down, and sometimes there's just something behind me that I notice in like segment three, and I just go, I need to take yeah. that down. <laughs> Credit to her. Credit to her because sometimes she does sneak it in. But uh, yeah, there was a couple people they were joking on Twitter, and I said, look. This is the deal. This is why you see that on there. Uh, but I want to go ahead and get to to something I saw you tweet yesterday, and I thought it was really good for a lot of different reasons. Because you know, my sound silly. A lot of people are like, "What does that mean exactly? Why do more people want to see it?" And I just thought it would just be something that we could talk about. Like I've said before, the Cincinnati Bengals are pretty much on their summer break until they hit training camp July twenty sixth. I don't think we'll see any new uh, extension news anytime soon, but hey, would love to be wrong, like I've said before, during the offseason. So I'm getting to your tweet. You said a lot of people think about how the Bengals offense should add more RPOs, but I don't really feel like where the offense needs to go. RPOs can generate efficiency, but at the NFL level, they're not going to give a sustainable bump to explosive plays. Wow, I couldn't read your tweet. Explain that. Explain it. (laughs) Okay, so... I think I'll take a biology major in college. Uh, so I think I'll take the scientific paper approach, which is basically I'm going to define the RPO. I'm going to give the argument for and against, and then my opinion, which you know my opinion since you just read it on the tweet. But yep. defining an RPO, run pass option. This has been huge for years. I think it peaked with Doug Peterson and Nick Foles on that Super Bowl run where they just dominated everybody on their way with just simple inside zone rpos with glance out bubble these are different routes that they're going to tag to those basically it's a run play and you have the option as a quarterback based on what the defense does to possibly throw the ball usually these are quick throws and especially at the nfl level college level they can get a little crazy because college guys i think the rule for them is supposed to be six seven yards maybe it's five they let them go like ten in the NFL level, the rule is like two to three yards. And um, I mean, they let them go like five, but you can't really, you can't run stuff and have the offensive line getting upfield quickly. So those are your basic RPO definition. Um, there are teams in the NFL level that use them all the time. The Dolphins are one, the 
Eagles are another. A lot of times they're teams with a running quarterback. I know the Dolphins don't fit that. Eagles do. Uh, the Ravens sometimes do, but when they do it, they actually don't – different offensive coordinator now, but when they did it under um, – what's his name? <laughs> Uh, they didn't really use Lamar's legs as much as I thought they should have. Bill O'Brien did some when he was in Houston, but Doug Peterson does a ton. You know, there's, it's all out there. Now, the argument for the RPOs are that you're an 11 personnel team and you're a spread team. So you're not going to get enough blockers to get up to the safety. So this is a way to maybe conflict the safety uh, so that they can't come screaming down on the run. I'd argue they already don't do that because the, I'm already breaking my thing, but I'd argue they already don't do that because the safeties aren't going to come flying down on the run against the Bengals when <laughs> they've got the three best wide receivers in the league. But that's kind of the argument for them. And it's also just, it's the sexy buzzword. It's the RPOs sound new. They sound exciting. They sound also, like, oh yeah, that's innovative even though it's been around for like more than 10 years. Hugh Jackson was running them in Cincinnati as well, by the way. <laughs> I mean, he was good in Cincinnati. What? He was good in Cincinnati. What am I thinking? He was good. <laughs> yeah. Still. Probably tried to run him in Cleveland too. I didn't really pay attention. Um, mm-hmm. But this has been around a long time. Like this, it seems like something hits and then it takes probably like five years for the public, the announcers, and everybody to kind of catch on to like, oh, that's exactly what's happening. I, I don't know what it is. It's just a lag time in between when it starts and when everybody catches on. So that's our POSS argument. For the argument against them, which this is my opinion, so this is going to go into it. I don't think you remove them entirely. I don't think you never run an RPO. I think they do a good job of generating efficiency. Um, and that comes from putting that guy in conflict. Now that safety is making that tackle at seven yards or he's – uh, trying to stay over top of like a slant type route called a glance. It's a little bit deeper, but uh, essentially a slant route. And you get in 10 yards there, seven yards, six yards on the run. Um, my argument against is it puts more of a constraint on the offensive line. And I know I'm offensive line brained. I, I played left guard in high school. It's what I really like to watch and study. So that's what my mind goes to where it makes it a little bit easier on them if it's thrown, but on run plays, they don't run block better because now you have to try to time up like, okay, I can't get downfield. I can't get downfield. I can't get downfield. Now I can go. And adding that extra weight and something on the offensive line's plate, it just makes it a little bit difficult. And if I'm going to add something on somebody's plate for the Cincinnati Bengals, it's not the offensive line. It's going to be on the quarterback and wide receivers. Like they can handle that. Not, not so much the offensive line. I want them to be able to block well, um, but I don't care that much if they can time things up for an RPO like that. My other thoughts with it are you're not going to consistently or really much at all. To me, I don't think that that safety is really conflicted too much on an RPO. I think he is on a chalkboard, but he's just going to play deep. If they throw it, he makes a tackle. If they don't throw it, he comes up and makes a tackle in the run game. And it's really not that different from how they would react to the run in general because it's the Bengals' offense is that they're trying to take everything deep away. You need to be able to block the first and second level. And if you could perfectly block the first and second level and get any running back one-on-one with a safety, you take that every time. Like that That's a way to generate explosive plays to me. It's just your running back plays better. Your tight ends and offensive line block better. 
Um, what I would do, I guess this would be the final part of this. Uh, what I would do instead of RPOs is develop a better shotgun play action game. And that could come from the old Patriots. They used to run uh, what they called trap protection, which you pull the guard. The Bengals have done this a little bit. You pull the guard on your play action pass to really sell it. Uh, like, yeah, like what pass play? Why would we pull the guard? And then you pulled the guard to just block the end. And now the linebackers may have taken a step up. Maybe the safety creeps up a little bit. Probably not, but maybe. But it's just a better way to sell that play action. And if you could really dominate in the run game, they were third in efficiency. The Bengals were um, in after the not after the bye week, but after the schematic change, uh, week five and on, they were third in rush efficiency. And they're always going to be super high in pass efficiency just because of who they have, at least right now. So they're efficient. That's why the RPOs, they just add an element of, uh, it's not bad. It's just, I, I wouldn't run that many of them because the offense is already efficient. It, I mean, you're... <laughs> what they need are the explosive plays and how do you generate the explosive plays? To me, it would be a find a way to throw deep balls and to get better run blocking to get the running back one-on-one with a safety and through an open hole down the field. So that that's my thought on developing a better shotgun run and which they had a good shotgun run, but to get more explosives out of it and to get a good shotgun play action game off of that, where you can take those deep shots down the field. That's what I would look for. I would look for a way to create shot plays because 2021, they were great at that. But then defenses started selling out a little bit. Find a way to still get those. Defenses sell out against the Chiefs. They still find a way to get their shot plays. Um, So that's all my quick thoughts on (laughs) the RPO 101 and why or why not it should be used with the Bengals. It's as simple as that, ladies and gentlemen, Um, exactly (laughs) what what Mike said when it comes to RPOs and the question with that. I do. I think it's one of those words that a lot of people are like, oh, it's it's new. And you're like, no, 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 no. It's been around for a while and it just feels fun to say it. I kind of want to go with this offense for a minute because you mentioned blocking a lot. And look, I still do see them using Drew Sample as a blocking tight end Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. Maybe they add Hakeem Adeniji out there as an extra offensive lineman at times. But overall, is this blocking on the offensive side of the ball better going into 2023 i think the extra offensive lineman by the way is going to be carmen or jonah whoever loses that battle early yeah um i think it's better uh i keep also saying i thought last year was going to be a pretty good offensive line and i mean they eventually got to a place that it was pretty good but it wasn't exactly the way i thought it would be because a lot of that came from Jonah Williams is ascending and Lyle Collins is about a top five right tackle in Dallas. And neither one of those happened, but Karras was better than expected. Kappa was good. And the left guard was not a black hole, even though we've talked about how he might need to play a little bit better. He was fine. He was a fine starter. You just want him to keep growing and prove like, yeah, he's a solid, he's a real good, like dependable piece on the offensive line. So that's how they ended up being a fairly decent offensive line. Um, and the schematic change helped them. But yeah, I think the blocking's better. And then when you're looking at Drew Sample, he'll be the best blocking tight end um, that they've had this year or last year. Uh, last year, I don't think any of those guys, Wilcox and Asiasi at times were fine. Hurst, he's more of a receiver. Uh, and Irv is a little bit too. So this is probably why the Bengals' second most common personnel package is 12 personnel, which is two tight ends on the field rather than one. And you take a wide receiver off the field. Uh, I think that's going to be when they really want to pound the run when they want to do things like that. 
uh, and maybe get some good play action off of it. If you're going to pound the run, that could be, you don't ever want to be too siloed and just, okay, they're in 12 personnel. These are runs. And they actually know that. And okay, they're in 11 personnel shotgun. These are passes. And you know, they, they know that. So uh, that's what kind of what happened early in the year to the Bengals is every time they went under center team sold out run play, the safeties were flying downfield, all of that. That's why they struggled so much early on against Pittsburgh and Dallas, but then they kind of, you know, week three, they still weren't there, but week four, it started to change. And then week five was the big change against Baltimore. They didn't actually dominate that game or anything, but uh, they showed what the offense was going to be going forward. And then the offense was super efficient after that. And it was because they were less predictable. So if they could stay unpredictable, continue to use 12 personnel, and the offensive line is as good as we think it could be, or at least close to it, then I think this is much better blocking. And that is, I think, how they will generate, uh, how they will possibly generate explosive run plays, better blocking. That's something that they could have used last year. You mentioned the Ravens game, and, and yeah, they didn't win the game, but it does feel like maybe if they would have started that a week earlier, that that outcome in that Ravens game could have looked different on the offensive side of the ball. I know we don't have a whole lot of time here before we get to the mailbag segment, but kind of with this offense, you know, we've talked about it this offseason that Zach Taylor is getting better as a play caller. Mm-hmm. I know it's really easy to say he has Joe Burrow and he has all these wide receivers, so that's going to make it easier on Zach Taylor. Of course it would. But what do you think you're going to see from Zach Taylor in year five? as an offensive coordinator, offensive side of the ball, offensive coordinator, no Brian Callahan's there, but the offensive play caller. I think they're going to find a way to get those explosive plays back. I think that is clearly the thing they're missing. I think they knew that's what they were missing. Um, And I think that's, it's a lot of pressure on a fifth round running back, but I think that's why you draft Chase Brown, because to me, he can be possibly early Tony Pollard where Tony Pollard early on wasn't exactly the Tony Pollard now where Tony Pollard now is like a good running back. It wasn't like a great running back, but he was just super athlete. I think Chase Brown was a good running back in Illinois. I think he's technically a good running back. Like he's technically sound. He does a lot of stuff, right? So I think he could just be that element, that guy you drop in there and it's just, you know, explosive play waiting to happen. He might get zero yards, but he might bust one off for 50. And I think that's why they add him and they let P Ryan go. Sadly, P Ryan was very useful, but he, you know, he's efficient, but he's not explosive. Uh, I think the biggest thing is just going to be, what are they going to do with the pass protecting running back? But yeah, I think some way, somehow they're going to generate some more explosive plays and be able to push the ball down the field. Cause that is the only thing they were missing last year. They were a super efficient offense without getting explosive plays. That is not something that happens in the modern NFL. That is, that is old football, but they were able to do it and uh, almost got to a Super Bowl doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I, it, I was a little bummed when P Ryan didn't come back and it felt like more of a P Ryan decision on the opportunity that he had with Denver, but uh, we'll see what it looks like with Chase Brown. And, and I'm really excited to see Zach Taylor. And it's crazy to think year five, I always connect him to Joe Burrow and, and think of four years, uh, but he had his rookie year in 2019 with this team. And I feel like that was still helpful for him as a head coach and a play caller. So can't wait to see that and what the offense starts to look like in year four for Joe Burrow too. Next, we're going to have your mailbag questions. You know, you people, you could send them a little earlier when we send out the question on Twitter at LNDS Patterson, Bengals underscore Sands. We really appreciate you every week sending them. Uh, you know, we look forward to double mailbag during the off season. So we'll get to those next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.
is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We have your mailbag questions. Appreciate you sending them. Let's go ahead and get to it. Uh, the first one is, is, isn't is football related, but it was the first one I saw on my screen. And uh, Santori Miles says, why is Burger King the worst fast food burger? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a McDonald's person. Ah, that's going to get a lot of hate. <laughs> I'm not a McDonald's person. I mean, I'm not a big Burger King person either. Like, I don't know. More, if I do a fast food burger, it's usually Wendy's if I pick one of those, like, big chains although come on spend I'm a, I'm a grown adult i'm gonna spend the extra what is now like ten dollars for five guys it is expensive like, it is expensive to five get guys food. is so expensive anymore too that's what if i get fast food burger i, I want to go get five guys because that's really good i haven't had like whataburger and in and out and some of those regionally specific ones but that is off the top of my head i mean i, I just don't care i mean go to burger king and uh they usually have like slushies that are cheap no, it's fine. But I you mentioned In and Out. You mentioned In and Out, and I know how people feel about it. It's like, oh, In and Out, you have to go. The reason I like In and Out is because it's so cheap. Oh, they don't okay. really too crazy on their prices. Probably because they do great, and they they don't need to raise their prices or anything like that. So I would say, In and Out is definitely yeah, it feels like a tourist attraction if you're ever in the city with with In and Out. But it's good. I like it. Uh, when it comes to French fries. McDonald's has number one. And oh uh, wow, big disagree. Big, I don't like the shoestring. I, I like thicker. Well, where are you going? Name your fries. Is Five Guys allowed? They make the best fries and the best burger. Um, I guess. I mean, I feel like that's a little more bougie. It is a little more bougie. I don't know. I like Wendy's fry. Since they actually put salt on it is pretty good now. It used to, they used to not like salt them. It was kind of weird. Wendy's does have good fries. They have good spicy chicken nuggets. Mm -hmm. But the thing about Wendy's, it's always hit or miss. You, yeah. you go there and sometimes it's like the best fast food meal you've ever had. And then you'll go there another time and your, your burger is all the way smashed to the bottom of the bag and it's never really a good outcome and just I mean, didn't feel too much ketchup. The real, the real fast food place to go is Popeye's. That's my favorite fast food. I've heard, I've never had it. Wow. Really? Oh, I know. I've heard oh, the you'll have the worst customer, customer service experience, but the, the best fast food that you'll have. It's the chicken sandwich, right? Yeah. Spicy chicken sandwich. Yeah. I'll need to try it, but we'll move on because um, you know, <laughs> we can talk food forever. And honestly, it is like I said, we didn't off even get to Taco things. Bell. We didn't get to Taco Bell. Taco Bell is the best. Um, oh, nice. Agree. Okay, I mean, we got the Taco Bell. Very easy to say Taco Bell is the best. Um, Bengals Shadow Twenty says, "How do you think the Bengals will combat speed and length in this slot this season?" Okay, that's interesting to me because I think speed and length. I think outside. I don't think in the slot. Like that's why Mike Hilton's a fine, good. He's a good slot defender. He doesn't really have speed. He doesn't really have length, but you don't need it there. I would say that if a guy is long and fast, and I'm I'm assuming this is on the defensive side, but I mean, I guess I could do the offense too. But speed and length in the slot. I mean, I'm gonna put yeah, Tyler Boyd. Yeah, Tyler Boyd's there, and I just think like, hey, technically beat him. You know, beat him using your ability uh, to route run to set things up, everything else. Because uh, I mean, speed and length. I'm glad it's not on the outside because I'd probably be <laughs> if I'm on a defensive coordinator. I'm putting my fastest, longest guys on Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. 
on the other side, if they have a fast, long um, wide receiver in the slot, I guess you – see, that's a tough one to me because you're not going to use a linebacker, even if it's a tight end. I'm still not using a linebacker. I don't think you want to use a safety, although maybe you could roll Dax Hill down there. That Maybe that's the question because of uh, Mike Hilton having issues in the AFC Championship game. Um, that was unfortunate. That's unfortunate. He's a great player, though. So I, <laughs> He is great. He is great. See him in the Bills game. I mean, that hit on yeah. Josh Allen will forever live in my memory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, on that side of the ball, I think you could dabble in, I just said I probably wouldn't, but I'd, I probably might dabble in some Dax Hill stuff. If they're really killing you from the slot, that's one of the easier places to double because you don't have to use your resources a crazy amount. On the outside, it's harder because you're taking your safety and now you know he's not defending the run. He's not uh, watching for anything over the middle. He is just helping on that receiver. When they're in the slot, you say basically – if you're in man coverage, okay, the nickel, whoever is going to play low underneath stuff, and he's going to play to the outside. And anything that's deeper and over the middle will be the safety. So once the safety sees him break out or quickly go under, uh, you that safety can just play his role. When uh, If he goes deep and over, then the nickel lets him go, and he can watch for something else. So that, I think... You know, just your resource management there is find a way if you're getting killed in the slot, like Mike Hilton's getting toasted and um, the safety, you tried Dax Hill over there. He's not working. Big proponent of just, you know, bracket it, just uh, use your resources. And it's not the same as using your resources to double a guy on the outside, which is harder to do and to still be gap sound in the run game and whatever else. Yeah, I do want to add this about Mike Hilton. He is one of the most underrated players, I would say, in the NFL. And he doesn't get the credit yeah. he deserves. Yeah, so. I, and Bengals fans killed him for that game. But, I mean, yeah. some of those is just Patrick Mahomes, man. Like <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. It, it's well, like, yeah. do you get up that upset when if you're a defense, on the defensive side of, like, Burrow and Chase kill you? Like, no. You probably just go, like, man, that the offense gets paid too, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I remember uh, Honey Badger. In the AFC Championship game the year yeah. before, when he was mic'd up on the sideline, he's like, "Man, he's just really good. He's just really good." <laughs> and it's just like, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but really hard to kind of defend on on that side of the ball. So yeah, you, I hope Mike Hilton still doesn't get you know hammered for that. It was just an unfortunate game for him. But yeah, like you mentioned, it's Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the ball. It's going to be difficult. Uh, West Side Stripe says, "Is the punt and kickoff return job Charlie Jones to lose?" I definitely think punt return is. I think he has the inside track for that. Okay. I, I know he kick returned in college, and maybe he has the inside track for that one as well. Didn't Travion Williams do? That's who I was thinking. Yeah. that is The punt return is just, that was Trent Taylor's job. It was. Charlie Jones was... is probably going to push Trent Taylor at least uh, for that in for that backup slot role. And if he's, mm-hmm. he's going to do that, he's probably you're probably not going to keep Trent Taylor just for the punt return because, well, he could do that too. But when it comes to kick return, Travion Williams is most likely going to make this team. He got re-signed, mm-hmm. and they talk very nice about him. So I, I feel like it would be him because I'm not 100% sure who's faster between the two because Charlie Jones is pretty fast. 
So not 100% sure on that, but I definitely think punt returner, he's the inside track. He would be my favorite. Um, kick return, though, I'm much more split, and I think I would actually make Travion Williams the favorite. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think I tweeted that when I saw the extension for Travion. I said, oh, let, let me let me see him return more kicks because I'm totally fine with that. But we'll see. If Charlie Jones is the better player, we'll find out in training camp, and they're going to go with the best guy. Uh, Mr. Steel, your grill, says, why has Bryce Perkins remained unsigned, and should Jake Browning be concerned about taking him taking his job? <laughs> Bryce Perkins, the, the third quarterback for the Rams last year, remains unsigned. Um, surprising a little. He's super fun. You know he's super Wait, fun. He is. He's a very fun quarterback. Good? I didn't say that. I said very fun. Um, he is actually a guy that I'd, I would not mind if they had a battle between the two, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I don't think Jake Browning needs to be concerned while Bryce Perkins is unsigned about a fictionary the fictional battle between the two. All right, Mr. Steelgo Grill, you have another question. And you know what? Sometimes I, tr I try to give other people a chance, but we're going to go ahead and go to this one because, look, it's that time of year. It's Chris Evans' talk. He says, why doesn't Chris Evans get more playing time? Please, Sands, my family is dying to know. <laughs> <laughs> because they don't trust him to pass protect. They don't trust him to run the ball. And we've gone over that a bit. It's that... In the preseason, he has those big runs. Well, he had an opinion. Uh, uh, in the preseason, he had those big runs. But those big runs came, and he kind of misread everything. It was just a better athlete than the guys on the field. So when they got called back for holding call, well, that's because the right tackle or the tight end or the left tackle, whoever, is blocking his guy thinking, okay, he'll come off the inside here and go up the middle. And then he breaks to the outside, and you're always you're always grabbing as an offensive lineman at the NFL level, you're not hands open it's inside. But when that defender sees him go outside, the defender moves and then the Jersey gets tugged and that's how they throw the flag holding. But I would say that I think the coaching staff, when they watch the film on that, don't at least do not give 100% of the fault to the offensive lineman. They give some of that fault to Chris Evans. And I think that's why they don't trust him as a runner. They don't trust him in pass protection. I think just because he's too small, they see him in practice every day as well. So see that. Um, and as a receiver, he's too short really to play wide receiver and they've tried it and it just hasn't worked. Plus they like to have guys that can win jump ball opportunities. And then as a running back receiver, always go back to it. It was in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. Uh, Chris Evans ran a rail route, which is essentially a tight wheel. And um, with all this room to the outside, they got the perfect matchup. He was matched up on whoever at linebacker for the Rams and had a touchdown. But instead of widening out a little bit to avoid the contact, he lets the linebacker jam him up. The ball sails and it's a missed touchdown opportunity and they punt. I didn't know that until you told me. And I was legit at the game. I there were so many it goes by so fast like you're oh, not realizing everything that's happening and I didn't realize that happened until we talked about it on the podcast this offseason that he was open for the touchdown oh yeah and that that really just bums me out that that opportunity was there and the thing about coaching staffs they remember that they remember mm -hmm. when you had those opportunities and you didn't secure the touchdown you're done you know who else remembers it is Joe Burrow <laughs> who threw the ball where it was supposed to go, and it just kept sailing because he got 
jammed up by the linebacker. Just avoid the linebacker. Widen out. Just widen out. Avoid him completely. You are one-on-one with a guy that runs like a 4-7. That is a touchdown, man. Dude, that I re- I had no clue until you told me that this offseason. I just didn't remember that play, and that's very heartbreaking. We'll go to a uniform question. David Speakman says, do you like the black or orange socks on the home uniforms? It's kind of a tricky question because there's different uniforms for home. Yeah. Um, I like both. I don't know. I don't, I don't think about this stuff too much. When it's all black. I feel like I like the orange just to break it up a tiny bit. What do you think on that? When it's all black, you like the orange to break it up. Yes, I agree with that. I will say, and I know they can only wear them for a certain amount of games. That all white uniform is, and and the, yeah, that I'm wasn't like, part of the question. But I'm gonna, I'm, I know, I'm kind of breaking. <laughs> like, well, you know what? I want to add to my favorite thing about this. Um, it's the all. I mean, I'm gonna get back to that one moment. But I love the all white uniforms. It's the absolute best in the Everybody NFL. Is. And there's a lot of bias, but man, when you can rock that white helmet mm-hmm. and you're going all white, I love it. Um, I do. Yeah. I think you got to break it up. And I love the orange because the orange is different mm-hmm. than the normal. So like, what about black top, white bottom? Are you still orange there or do you go black? Black. I think so too. The last black. one, uh, I guess there's. There's all two, kinds of combos. I know there's there. Well, there's two more I can think of. Go ahead. Orange top, black bottom. Orange I think top. orange. Love that. Yeah. Love that. And orange socks. Yeah, orange socks. What about orange top, that- white bottom? The creamsicle. I still go orange socks. I don't know if you do. Orange socks? Yeah. Okay, orange socks. cool. The reason I go that orange, the orange jersey, black pants, orange socks, is that Kansas City game. Oh, and is it? That's, that's what they wore. The one, the home one where they won, where yeah. uh, Jamar Chase puts up 266. And I'm like, that that combo will forever like live in my mind. Uh, but yeah, the orange socks are popular. I would definitely go orange in the majority of the uniforms. I'm not actually huge on the black uniform top and white bottoms. Yeah, it's probably my least favorite because when I first heard about orange top, white bottom, that was my least favorite in my mind. And then I looked at it and I was like, it looks like a creamsicle. I like this. <laughs> I mean, I, I do. I can tell the difference. It's absolutely wild. The year they went to the Super Bowl, they had the uniform changed and the ring of mm-hmm. honor for all of those changes to happen for them. Um, and it's still one of my favorite. There's such a difference in that uniform now versus what it used to be. Um, I absolutely love it. It's really fun that they embrace it. There's one thing I hope they do this year. And I feel like the fans would really like it is the leaping tiger on the field. Just oh for one God. game. Yeah. One game. One game. All games. All games. But yeah, one game. I'm just saying, I'm just going to try not to push it. Um, and, and just one time, maybe I just right there in the middle of the field, primetime game, Bills, Bengals. Oh, that's what I'm going to, at least one. Leaping Tiger. That'd be awesome. I was there for whiteout game last year. So uh, that was pretty Dude, cool to see the field whited out. That felt like a college football game. <laughs> my friend's dolphin, my best friend from high school is a Dolphins fan. That's, he, he went with me and he wore his white Dolphins jersey because <laughs> he expected the Dolphins to wear white on the yeah. away and i was like hey enjoyed it yeah. man what a yeah i love paycor those games are awesome everything except for that steelers game went really well Didn't there, unfortunately um all right well we'll get to more of your questions i love the uniform talk you know we can continue that during the off season because look this is what we're at not right now not a whole lot going on for the cincinnati Bengals, but we'll have more next on it's always game day in cincinnati Always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata.
we are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Double header mailbag. Thank you again for sending your questions. You can follow at Ellen Diaz Patterson, Bengals underscore Sands, and we'll go ahead and get to it right now. Darian says, who do you think play better at right tackle? Adenogy or Carmen? Why do you think Adenogy is not getting a shot? Who do I think would be better like this yeah. year? Yeah, because Carmen, has, Carmen hasn't played right tackle. Ugh. That is just something that we'll have to see. My my concern is I thought Carmen was better at left tackle than Adenji was at right tackle. But that change isn't always easy. I always think of it like switch hitting in baseball, better chance that the guy can do it than switch hitting. But switch hitting in baseball where some guys can just do it. They could just flip everything, different hand on top, different leg in the front, step in different, everything like that. And they're fine. They just, they're still hitting. They're still able to do that. Maybe they have a preference but they can easy just like that. And some guys just don't, they, they just can't move over. And you know, the flip doesn't make sense to them and they've practiced their whole life going the other way. It changes which leg are you driving off of? Which leg are you kicking with? And your hands are different. Everything's different, especially in the past game. So I, I just like to see it first before I try to give a definitive answer there. I will say, I think this coaching staff and Pollock like Adenogy more than this fan base does. I would not yeah. be surprised if he makes the team. Um, and I wouldn't even be that surprised. I wouldn't be that surprised if he does win over Carmen for, let's say Jonah wins the right tackle job and he's the backup right tackle and Carmen's the backup left tackle. I wouldn't even be that surprised there until Collins is healthy and then Collins would take that job most likely. But yeah, all that uh, said. And and let's not forget, Denigy did have some fine games. Um, the Bills I, early on. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I know there's, there's that one. I didn't think he was terrible in the Patriots when he came in. I thought I thought he wasn't even, I don't know, wasn't even the third worst offensive lineman in mm-hmm. the uh, season-ending game against the Ravens. And then the playoffs, he kind of fell apart. And it just mm-hmm. is what it is happened it wasn't a disaster in the bills game like no none of the offensive linemen were no, they, they all played me. they all dominated it was the great wall of cincinnati that game i will never forget that game unbelievable talking about offensive line all week don't you remember those conversations cincinnati's oh, yeah. this offensive line Greg Rousseau was getting all this hype of this, some dominant defensive lineman didn't hear anything from him at all and then the snow the snow coming down was just the production of it was crazy. And Joe Burrow's on the sideline and I'm like, Oh no, this is a lot of snow. Will they be able to play in it? And yes. Karis got answer. hurt in the middle of the game and still dominated. Yeah. That was a, that was a great performance from them. And then they all were bad against Kansas city. It was just, oof. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't count a out of the competition entirely. I don't think he wins the starting battle, but I would be shocked, but I, I will say that it is like a five, maybe 10% chance that happens. Like it, if neither one of the other guys can move to right tackle well, because Jonah hasn't played there since the Obama administration and Carmen hasn't played there in oh. his life, as far as I know. So it's, it could be an energy. <laughs> I think that's the disaster scenario that Bengals fans will like, they are going to lose it if that happens. Um, but he is the guy that, you know, can play right tackle. Can he play it well for a long period of time? I think that's been proven no. But can he play it well for a game? Maybe. And uh, you're, you're 
probably hoping that somebody else wins that job just because higher ceiling, higher chance that they are a great player. But th- that is all my thoughts on it. It's just I think the coaching staff and Frank Pollock and all these guys, they like him more than the fan base does. And while I would be shocked if he wins the battle entirely, I think he's in the mix. Look, there are worse people you could have as a backup and maybe even a backup backup than Hakeem Adeniji. Yeah. Um, and, and look, I agree with you. I do think the coaching staff is a little more on Hakeem Adeniji versus the fans. Um, you know, they look back at those games. You can look at the Super Bowl. You can look at the AFC Championship game and you're like, oh, my goodness, why is he out there? Of course you want an upgrade. Of course I don't want Hakeem Adeniji starting. I just don't on the offensive line. But I'm not down on him. I still feel like there's he can develop with Frank Pollock. Having other guys in this offensive line room for another year is going to be really helpful for him. And I I would actually – I'll say this is kind of a hot take. Unless everybody they feel is health, healthy and training camp goes well, when it comes to clearance, they feel good about Jackson Carmen. Maybe Lyle Collins is ahead of the game more than we even think, um, which I don't – I think the smart thing to do is not rush him and let him fully get healthy. Uh, one thing he wasn't able to do last year – and I, I, I guess I'd be a little shocked if Hakeem doesn't make the team as a backup. I kind of agree be, with that. Um, yeah. Not shocked, surprised. I'd be surprised if he doesn't make it. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets cut, but I would be surprised. Just because if Cody Ford steals that job, he steals that job. Mm-hmm. I think only one of those two is going to make the team. I don't think both do. How do you feel about Cody Ford? I mean, I've not great based off of everything I see, but I've never actually watched him at, well, I can't say never. I haven't watched him in the past like two years and he has been bouncing around. He basically got cut, but it was like a trade thing to the Cardinals. And then he wasn't pushing at all to play for the Cardinals offensive line, which is giant red flag. Cause the Cardinals offensive line is name two Cardinals offensive lineman <laughs> type situation. No. <laughs> so, Paris Johnson, yeah, I guess he's there. And uh, well, the other one I can think of is the left tackle, so we we move. Um, but like last year, it, hard to name those guys. They weren't very good, and he wasn't really pushing the start there. I think Joe Goodberry's looked at a lot of the, the pro football focus data, and it has basically said he's been pretty darn bad. Um, that is just all of that considered – could this be the place he finds home and plays well? I hope all these guys do well. I And I haven't watched him personally. I don't know why he struggles or anything like that. I know he's a high pick and the Bills gave up. And then he went to the Cardinals and he didn't go and start there and make a big impact. So and then he signs league minimum money with the Bengals. It, it's, not, it's not a career that I think most people would look at right now and go, well, yeah, he's going to push for that right tackle job. It's like, well, Somebody would have to have believed in him by now, which maybe this is where he changes it, though. Maybe this is the big turnaround. It was – you can correct me if I'm wrong. I felt like his signing was a few days after Orlando Brown, and Orlando Brown obviously has experience with him um, and just being familiar with him, so maybe that will help him a oh, little bit. Oh, they played Oklahoma together. Yeah. So I think that that could possibly help. And maybe there was a little voice of like Orlando Brown saying, you know what, bring him in. Let's see what happens. He can be a backup. He can be someone who, you know, he can mentor, just see what he does on the offensive line. Um, Obviously, we're we're talking about the right side of the ball, but I just, I don't know. We'll see. I I, The biggest thing for me, put the best guys out there and put Mm -hmm. the best guys as your depth piece who are available on the roster. And then you get rid of the rest. Um, We've said it before. 
numerous times. Everybody remembers what happened at the end of both of the last two seasons and offensive line depth was an extreme problem. And it still terrifies me, but I just want Joe Burrow to have a legit offensive line. And, and I, I still am not down on last year's offensive line. I thought it was fine for the majority of regular season, but if it can be even better then fantastic for Joe Burrow in this offense. So we'll stay with offensive line and Orlando Brown. Tyree's length, I'm not going to read the rest of it. Um, is Orlando Brown going to be either A, bad, B, the worst tackle in the division, C, the worst tackle in the league, D, good enough to block for 1.5 seconds every play? Uh, well, that sounded really negative. Yeah, I don't think that was a, I don't think that was a nice question. Um, I, don't I don't think he's the worst tackle in the league. I don't think he's the worst tackle on the team. I don't think he's the worst tackle in the AFC North because he's not the worst tackle on the team. And I think he's better than both the guys the Browns are putting out there um, and the guys the Steelers are putting out there. So I think he's also better than the Ravens' right tackle. I think it, I, I do think the Ravens' left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, he might be better. But, uh, yeah, that was not, you know not very glowing. He's a Raiders fan. I don't know the connection to Orlando. <laughs> why he's upset Chiefs, about Orlando. Chiefs, maybe it was, he doesn't like him from the Chiefs days. Maybe that's it. You would think he'd be all for the Cincinnati Bengals, um, but uh, but no, no, because I mean, I will say, I, I guess D, right? Because he can block for one and a half seconds. That doesn't mean he stops at one and a half, two and a half, three. That's what you're asking for. Where that guy came from on Twitter. Uh, sorry, I normally like to get to some other questions, but he was the next. <laughs> that I saw when I was scrolling down. So I apologize in advance, Bengals fans. Um, Brandon says, would you rather move on from Higgins after the season and get a return while you still can or let his deal run out and either extend or franchise tag him but risk getting only a comp pick in return? Allocating $100 million to three players will be challenging if they do extend him. Yeah, whatever. Extend him. Blue chip player. Yeah, 100%. I just, I'm not worried about it. Me Teams have done this since... Forever. Peyton Manning, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, Kurt Warner, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Anquan Bolden. Well, Kurt Warner? <laughs> Whoever they had at quarterback. I guess that, that one, they didn't have the quarterback to worry about so much. But I think teams have done this forever. Why aren't teams asking us about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle all the time? Because you could do the Eagles. Yeah, do Devontae the Eagles. Smith, A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts. It's like... It, you don't hear it. Yeah, it, it feels like it's just... A, I mean... This could just be me, you know, where, where am I? I am in Bengals circle, Yeah, same. but I, I never see teams question the Eagles or the Dolphins or any other great wide receiver group that is going to cost a ton of, ton of money and asking like, well, they can't afford that. And like, we all live under the same cap. And to me, the Bengals sold the rights, the naming rights to absolutely everything just for this scenario. They want to be able to pay all these guys. So I would reject both those and just extend them. Hundred mil to those three guys, sure, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> that's gonna work. Oh, yeah. That's gonna be what makes the team the best. I would say T Higgins three year deal around twenty four million dollars a year. Three year extension, basically a four year deal, I guess is what my yeah. mind is. So it'd be yeah, four year deal because you'd be counting the season. Mm -hmm. But um, I would say 25, 25 or 24 million. 24 would be what I'd really like to do. But if you have to go to 25, go to 25 million. What's another I, yeah, million? I'm, I'm also not going to lose him over a million dollars. If he's yeah. asking for 30, then then I guess you could go into these I scenarios. Think, but I don't think he is because I don't think no. – And I also don't think teams are – I don't think – I think Jamar will have that – If Jamar, yes, Jamar you know, is going to push for 30 plus. 
he, um, he and that's why Justin Jefferson is like, look, I'll wait if you want me to. And then go into next year and he's going to be making, he will be the highest paid wide receiver. But then Jamar could just go right back at him and say, look what I did. Especially if Jamar continues to play like Jamar Chase, which mm-hmm. I have no doubt that he will, that he, that he won't be the Jamar Chase. And everything, everything coming from the Bengals camp on this matter seems to be more towards extending him rather than that they can't figure this out. And what Burrow keeps saying and trying to push for is to extend him, extend T Higgins rather than let him go. But if it's me also, if I do take into account, let's say T Higgins wants $30 million a year and you, you can't pay it because it's 5 million more than what you want to pay rather than just 1 million. Okay. I would rather lose him for nothing basically and franchise tag him and franchise tag him again. I would franchise tag him twice. Oh, 100%. I would feel bad for him, but uh, as long as he's not going to hold out, like seriously hold out and miss out on his big extension the following year, I would go for that. At least franchise tag him the one time, and then maybe you could tag and trade or do something like that. But yeah, I, I'm i keeping him. I'm not trading him and trying to figure that out just because this is the biggest the Super Bowl window will probably get. Nobody's yeah. paid. So keep your guy rather than trade him away and lose some of the Super Bowl window. But ooh, maybe we get a first round pick back. What are the you odds your first round picks better than T Higgins? You do not know what that pick's going to look like. And if you see a lot of the redrafts, I know it's a lot of fun and we're just kind of in that mode over on NFL Twitter, but he's a top 10 wide receiver in the first round of the redraft. A lot of teams would have taken T. Higgins. You could even say, I mean, maybe if I wanted to go 15, but he was going to go in the first round if they could do a redraft. Top 10? Um, that's okay mm-hmm. to say? Because I was going to, I said that at first and I was like, mm, okay, top 10? Mm-hmm. Not out there? I okay, think top great. 10. Yeah. Justin Jefferson goes first and then he goes next. That's the next wide receiver in that draft class. Uh, mm-hmm. It'd be, he would be fighting CD Lamb, right? I could fight him. I would take T over CD Lamb. I don't know. Yes. Maybe that's my Homer that's, opinion. No, I'm I 100 would. Um, it, it, I, he's a number one receiver on a lot of NFL teams. He's a number one receiver on this roster. They just have two of them. I agree with you. And I think in that situation, there's just too much optimistic talk you hear from Duke Tobin, who didn't have to say what he said at the combine. He was like, "Why would we make another team better? We're, we're not out there to make other teams better." And hearing the front office here, if Joe Burrow wants something to happen, you know what that front office is going to do? They're going to listen to their franchise quarterback who they're about to extend. We don't know how long the extension is going to be, but it's going to be a nice little lengthy, uh, pretty much what we're more than likely seeing around the league. Maybe it's similar to Jalen Hurts as far as the years, or, or maybe it's an extra year longer. We'll see what happens there. But at the same time, I do feel Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, they're your core on your offense. Like you mentioned, this is your Super Bowl window. It is wide open. Your team has been to two back-to-back AFC championships. Your offense is legit, and it really feels like it's just getting started. Yes, you want T. Higgins on this roster, and you're going to do everything you can. You mentioned it. I'll make this quick because we're running a little over. They sell the naming rights, something that I never thought the Brown family would ever do. They sold them, and that money is going to an extension. You know who's coming to town next week? Taylor Swift. You know how much money that they'll get from a little bit of a Taylor Swift concert? Two days? It's going to them. You know how much money they make from winning? There's a there's a list to get on the season ticket holder. It's a waiting list. You can't even get on. The stadium's full. 
that's good money. That's revenue. They are making money by winning. This is all good things. And what their their sponsorships everywhere. Adding Skyline, I'm sure that's huge in a sponsorship window. They also um, sold the naming rights of the practice facility, the indoor one. Everything. everything. And you should you should sell everything right now because this I'm is sure the escalator is, sponsored by somebody. You know what? It's been working. Every time I look over there, that escalator's working just fine. Maybe they got a brand new one. I don't know. It looks to be moving a little faster, too, to be completely honest. With <laughs> that's because it's Paycor escalators now. <laughs> yes. No, but I mean, there's a reason they're doing all that stuff. It makes sense. And there was a reason they did it before going into this offseason. They're thinking ahead. Um, and this is a really good time to do it. So, no, I'm, I'm honestly, I. I think it's going to happen, and I think everybody needs to be a little patient. Um, I don't see anything happening over the next few weeks. I think it's going to be a training camp thing, so we'll see. Before the season starts, we will hear good news from the Bengals' front office. Um, I do feel that way. But your questions are really great. Sorry for rambling a little little more on the, on the T. Higgins topic. But, yeah, I think that's silly. I think you bring up a good point around the league. Other teams should be getting those same questions when it comes to their star receivers, their star offensive players. I actually don't it, think they should. I feel like we get so okay. upset. No, they should because the Bengals are. But mm-hmm. I don't think you should be questioning any of these teams' ability to pay their studs. Like, teams pay their studs. Who's the best wide receiver that hits free agency at, like, 25 years old? <laughs> no, it's it's okay. not T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, uh, Jalen Waddle types. It's... Jacoby Myers, Christian Kirk types. That's a wild market. That's an absolutely wild market. But yeah, it's it's and the thing is the salary cap's only gonna go up. Mm-hmm. So I would rather sign T. Higgins this offseason. Then you worry about the the future of your franchise tag him and then you figure another you, you don't want to waste any time. Go ahead and get it done. I'd said the same thing about the line. I know it's kind of off topic because it's defense, but same thing for Logan Wilson, your linebacker market. Go ahead and get it done this offseason. If you want to bring Logan Wilson back, which he's a big part of this defense. Um, I know they have Jermaine Pratt, but that's how I'm feeling. Feels like that's how you're feeling. Yes. Bring T. Higgins back. Jamar Chase next year. Joe Burrow this offseason. We'll see what happens. Uh, you're on a break right now over on all Bengals. Pretty quiet period over there. Nothing nothing coming up anytime soon over the next few weeks. Nah. <laughs> That's okay. But you know what you should do? Go check out all Bengals. You can follow Mike on Bengals underscore Sands. Uh, Brent Nolman, he's actually one of my favorites over on the NFL film breakdown world outside of Bengals Sands. Uh, he has a really good video breakdown of the Cincinnati Bengals. Highly recommend going and watching that. He put it out today uh, when it comes to other Bengals content. And uh, we'll be back next week on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.